Thank you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my usual disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual medical or mental health advice. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host. I'm Kara Corinne Safeli. I'm a health coach, a podcaster, a public published author, and I help people heal their relationship with food and their body and create amazing lives that they love. And today is kind of a big deal. It's the day before the one year anniversary of the launching of the Love Your Bod Pod or the Love Your Bod Pod's first birthday. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I posted my very first episode on August 29th, 2018, and this recording goes live on the 28th. And wow, what a year. I want to thank you all for tuning in week after week. If you've been with me from the beginning, thank you. I'm grateful. I'm humbled. Please shoot me a DM if you've been listening for the whole time, the whole year. That is amazing that you've stuck around and that you have found value week after week. That's really cool. So thank you. Yay. Happy birthday to the Love Your Bod Pod. Amazing. So if you've been loving the Love Your Bod Pod, if you've gotten something out of it, would you do something for the Love Your Bod Pod's birthday? Would you leave a ratings and review on iTunes if that's where you listen? Or will you screenshot the episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me? That would be a really great way to celebrate the happy birthday, the birthday, to to say thank you. It's a virtual little thank you note when you do those things. It always means so much to me. And it helps the podcast reach more people. So if this podcast has made a difference for you, I would be so grateful if you would do that in return. And for those of you that DM me and tell me the podcast is helpful, I want you to know that that means a lot to me and it's amazing and it's a gift to be able to be a part of your journeys. Okay, so today's podcast episode is about the difference between emotional eating and binge eating and then I'm going to talk about what food freedom is as well. And I asked you guys on Instagram if you had questions about emotional eating or binge eating and where you felt like you were getting stuck. So I will be addressing some of those responses within the episode and I will be addressing some of them in the coming weeks because we are four weeks away from Food Body Soul launching. And as you guys may or may not know, Food Body Soul is my brand new group coaching program and we start at the end of September and I'm so excited for it. The ladies that are already signed up are excited and I've been building out the online course that is included with the group coaching calls. I've been talking about what we're going to be doing at the in-person retreat in January 2020. It's at the most beautiful home in Los Angeles. So for those of you that don't know, Food Body Soul is a virtual group coaching program for three weeks. We start at the end of September. We go all the way through December and then we come together for an in-person retreat in January. So it's a really beautiful container. And I've set it up specifically to help you heal your relationship with food, your relationship with your body, and then step into your power as a woman and create an amazing life that you love and become 
um, free and self-expressed and truly happy and enjoying your life in all these different areas, not just siloed to food and the body. Now, the main reason I'm going to be focusing on emotional eating and binge eating today and in the coming weeks is because Food Body Soul is specifically designed for you if that's what you're struggling with. It will take you from food obsession, frustration, exhaustion, preoccupation, overthinking, confusion, and complication to food freedom, food peace and ease, intuition, nourishment, fun, body wisdom, body liberation, body respect, body confidence, food confidence, all of those things. And I only have five spots left. So get your booty over to kitchen.net forward slash FBS to apply. I have five spots, like I said. So if you are interested in, and you don't want to miss out on this, be sure to reach out and jump on a discovery call with me. Apply for a complimentary discovery call and we'll make sure it's a good fit for you. So again, you can DM me on Instagram at Kara's Kitchen or you can go to kitchen.net forward slash FBS to apply. Okay. So let's dive in. I'm going to explain some of the key differences between emotional eating and binge eating. And then I'm going to talk about food, what food freedom is at the end so you can kind of see what's possible. So if you are struggling with chronic yo-yo dieting, food restriction, emotional eating, you identify as a binge eater, I'm going to share with you what's possible and what's available to you through healing. And also you can, you can expect this to be the transformation you receive through Food Body Soul as well. Okay, so what I have found is that it's easy to confuse emotional eating with binge eating or we will think that they're the same thing. Now with that said, it's absolutely possible to be dealing with both of them at the same time, but being able to distinguish what's at play, being able to distinguish the context in which your struggle with food developed, all of those things are essential in helping you heal. And I know that for me personally, I dealed, I dealt, I dealed, I dealt with both emotional eating and binge eating. So I want to give you a brief, super brief background on my story so that you can see what it would look like to maybe deal with both and to have a more complicated nuanced situation that requires um, several elements of healing in order to like truly recover from your disordered relationship with food or your eating disorder. So just slight trigger warning for you listening. I'm going to share a little bit graphically and openly. And also, if you want a deeper explanation of what I went through, I did record a podcast episode 38 where I talk about things in more depth. So as you guys know, I started out dieting, or maybe you don't know, around 14 and 15, and I started restricting my food. And the main reason that I was restricting my food was because I had learned that cellulite was gross and ugly, and I had a boyfriend that had just moved away, and I was really sad. And I thought, whether it was conscious or unconscious, I thought that if I lost weight and had the perfect body, he wouldn't leave me. Like, I really thought that if I was, like, thin and beautiful and had the perfect body, I'd be safe from rejection and heartbreak, and that I would be loved and accepted. And I also felt this way about a lot of other types of people throughout the 10 years that I dealt with this. Like, I thought, like, well, if I get thin or if I have the good a good body then the girls will like me like I'll be popular or I'll fit in or whatever and I also thought that if I like had the perfect body that people would take me seriously and respect me so I really thought that if I controlled my body I could like control outcomes in my life I could control people's opinions of me and that's kind of a losing battle because you can't control people anyways right like 
people are in control of themselves. So that was definitely at play. And my dieting, my restriction led to binge eating and then bulimia. So what started out as dieting developed into a full-blown eating disorder. And what we know is that one out of four people that diet do develop an eating disorder. That's according to the National Eating Disorders Association. We also know from Nita's research that girls who diet are 12 times more likely to binge eat. So I definitely fell into that statistic right there. Now, my struggle with food left me feeling out of control around food. I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with my weight in my body. I felt isolated, hopeless, and it really affected my overall happiness. Now, with that said, growing up, like most people, I, I had a difficult time in school, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school. My parents went through a really rough divorce. I was no longer living with both my brothers. You know, there was a point in time where my mom could barely put food on the table and like my friends were paying for me. Like there were some really traumatic things that had happened. My dad left. Like I said, I had like a parent in jail. So I had all of this trauma that I had to deal with. And so I would turn to food to cope. So I would turn to food to numb, to check out, to suppress, to soothe, to comfort, to control. And then I would throw up to release so not only was it a physical release because I would like stuff myself but it was also a mental and emotional release from all of the pressure because I was also I've always been a high achieving woman I've had high standards high expectations big goals and dreams I'm a type a I'm a perfectionist and one of the ways one of my outlets because I didn't know how to channel all of those things into being more productive and safe I developed this really destructive coping mechanism, even though it was a coping mechanism that helped me get through some of the hardest years of my life. So my emotional eating turned into binge eating and then bulimia. So I struggled with all different shades of colors and things. So I'm sharing that because I want you to know what it would look like to maybe deal with an eating disorder that isn't just a result of dieting, but of trauma that you've experienced and things that you need to heal. So I hope that that's helpful. I know that was really quick and I like kind of rushed through that. But I, again, episode 38, I talk more deeply and I just wanted to give you a little bit of a background so that you can maybe see if your story relates to mine or if you relate to mine so that you can be able to distinguish how your struggles with food developed and then you're able to figure out a little bit more about what it is that you would need and what type of help you're going to need because I recommend getting help if you're going through this because it allows you to identify the different parts that are contributing to the disordered relationship with food because like rarely is it actually about food that's the tip of the iceberg there's so many other contributing factors underneath which I'm going to explain a lot more throughout this episode so okay let's move on emotional eating is a coping mechanism it's a response to emotions like stress sadness grief disappointment and frustration We can use it to help soothe, calm us down, take the edge off, check out, numb, or help us feel better. There are examples of emotional eating that are positive as well. I've talked about that on the podcast too, like birthday cake or wedding cake. So there's like no biological necessity from cake. It's purely for emotional nourishment. We use it to celebrate, bond, and it enriches our life. So this is a form of emotional eating that we often forget about and is often overlooked because we simply because because we often think of emotional eating as just being a bad thing. It's been demonized by diet culture, which I'm going to talk about more later as well. Now, binge eating is a natural biological response to restriction and deprivation around food. 
meaning it is not a personal failing on your part on your part or some defect it's a it's just biology doing its thing it has been observed in humans in the Minnesota starvation study where they took men who had no history of disorder eating or body dysmorphia and they put them on a starvation diet so a, a diet that was super low in calories and they did this so that they could learn how to read feed refeed people who are coming back from the war nearly all of the men in that study developed binge eating obsession with food like reading cookbooks for fun like how many of you guys like spend hours googling paleo recipes and they were showing symptoms that we associate with disordered eating and eating disorders so all of this happened as a result of food scarcity of food being limited now it's also been observed in animals so not only in research, when rats were given intermittent access to sugar, they then exhibited binge eating behavior when given sugar to access, given access to sugar again, I can speak, blah, blah, blah. Um, there is also a similar pattern seen in migrating animals. So when animals are migrating far distances, they will have limited access to food or no access to food. And then once food becomes plentiful again, they exhibit binge eating. So we see this, there are several examples where we can see that this is like a biological reaction. It's not some like defect. Okay, emotional eating is not a problem. It is often an alarm bell letting you know there is an area of your life that needs attention. Some other stressor in your life that you need to address in some capacity to some degree. Oftentimes, we will get so upset with ourselves for eating emotionally that we make the situation worse, right? Like we'll beat ourselves up for emotional, for eating emotionally. And we might be upset about something at work or some other stressor in our life, a breakup, a fight with a friend, something. And we eat emotionally to take the edge off and then we beat ourselves up even more. So we pile on more guilt, shame, stress, and anxiety and more frustration, So what I'm getting at here is just that emotional eating is not the problem. It's absolutely okay if you want to expand your emotional coping toolkit. We're going to do that in Food, Body, Soul. I get that we don't always want to turn to food to to deal with stuff, that we don't want it to be our primary coping mechanism. I get that. You're going to learn how to not turn to food in Food, Body, Soul. And you can do that. But what happens is we get so obsessed with not emotionally eating, we then try to control ourselves around the food even more, which is basically binge eating waiting to happen. So shame around emotional eating can turn it into binge eating, which is why people often struggle with both, just like I did. Now, binge eating. While there are a lot of contributing factors to binge eating, I want to talk about one of the main ones, which is dieting, restriction, and irregular eating patterns. We're going to talk a little bit more about the other contributing factors later. Now, your body cannot tell the difference between a diet or a famine. All your body knows is that it isn't getting enough food. And when you keep going back to dieting and restricting, like if you're yo-yo dieting, you're stuck in the cycle, your body starts to learn that food access is an issue for you and a threat to survival. Like your body is smart. It picks up on this. It sees the pattern. It distinguishes the pattern. So what you see as a failure, as a lack of willpower, as not having enough control because you broke your diet and binged, is literally just your body trying to keep you alive. It's a hardwired biological response. It's trying to protect you at all costs from starvation. Now, emotional eating 
is something that most humans do to some degree some of the time. Now, like I had mentioned, birthday cake to celebrate is a form of emotional eating. And again, that's eating into positive emotions. However, even people who have a normal relationship with food who don't have a history of dieting can use food to deal with stress. So like for everyone, like every once in a while, my boyfriend will have like a rough day at work and he'll like want a burger and a beer after the hard day to just kind of chill out and relax. Or like if you ever want to have like wine and cheese nights with your girlfriend to talk about a breakup. Or like if a child is sad, you might make them a bowl of mac and cheese to comfort them. Or you might like go get ice cream. And that can be something that you do for both positive and negative emotions. Like because it's soothing and it's fun and it's something to cheer you up. It tastes good. It provides pleasure. So eating is an emotional experience for humans in general. It's cultural. It's historical. It includes family. It includes gratitude. It can bring back old memories, right? Like thinking about your grandma's cookies or like your Aunt Becky's casserole. Or like when I eat peanuts, I think of baseball games, stuff like that. So it can bring back old memories when you taste something or you eat something or you smell something. And it can also bring a room of strangers together over a meal and they can become friends. So food is emotional in and of itself in general. Now binge eating is complex. While intermittent access to food is a large contributor, right? So like restriction and dieting. And it can absolutely keep you stuck in the cycle like I had mentioned. Right, like if you keep going back to restriction, you're going to keep perpetuating the binging. But there are often other contributing factors, including things like trauma, weight-related bullying, perfectionism, body dysmorphia, body dissatisfaction, weight discrimination, oppressive beauty and thin ideals, poverty and food scarcity. There's a lot of different things that are at play that can contribute to the development of binge eating. It can affect any human. Now, what I am getting at here is that it's important to get help if you are struggling with binge eating so that you can understand why and how it developed for you. So by doing so, you will be able to know what you specifically need so that you can heal, which is why it's helpful to get help, to get support, to get Um, a health practitioner, a therapist, a coach, a registered dietitian. I'd love to have you in Food Body Soul so that you can help identify the contributing factors so that you know what you need to heal. Heal. And I'm going to talk more about that later. Now, personally, it was a combination of a lot of those things that I listed off. I needed to stop restricting myself physically, but I also needed to stop doing it mentally and emotionally. And I had a lot of trauma that I had experienced that I needed to heal, childhood trauma. And I had perfectionism and I really was impacted by the beauty ideals in our culture. So I had to, I had a very nuanced path to recovery. And I think that because I didn't go the traditional route of recovery, right? So I didn't work with an eating disorder dietitian I only saw a therapist like four times I didn't go to like inpatient or outpatient I largely did this on my own and through other avenues this shows me that healing or that binge eating wasn't necessarily the problem per se rather it was all of the the underlying root 
contributing factors. And when I addressed the underlying root contributing factors, what ended up happening is the binge eating and the eating disorder went away. Now it took time and attention and effort and it was very intentional, but I didn't go through the traditional route. And the reason why I'm sharing this for you is because I want you to get that there's a lot of contributing factors that can be at play that it is actually about so much more than the food. And I know that when you're struggling with it, having people say, hey, it's not about the food can be really fucking frustrating because it sure as fuck feels like it's about the food. Like, I get it. And there's a there's potentially, again, everybody's situation is different, but potentially a lot more at play. Okay, emotional eating. So I mentioned that most humans do it. But it is more common in those who have a history of dieting. So in Dr. Linda Bacon's book, Health at Every Size, she talks about the difference between what scientists call restrained eaters and unrestrained eaters. Now, restrained eaters response to respond to external cues for food. Things like how much food is on their plate, right? Like, are you in the clean plate club? Or like, you might say things like, you can't be hungry, you just ate. And so even though you might be hungry, you don't eat. Or you might, or someone might say to you, I went through all of this trouble to cook and you're not even hungry. So even though you don't have those hunger cues, you eat anyways. Or you might be looking at the clock and you'll say like, oh, it's not time to eat. So even though you're hungry, you don't eat. This is common with restrained eaters. They let external cues drive their eating. And the longer you do this, you start to lose touch with your internal cues, like hunger and fullness and satiety or satisfaction. Then when we start to have weight concerns, right? So when you start to detach from your internal cues and you rely on the external cues and you combine that with weight concerns and body image stuff, you then try to control your intake even more. And when you regulate your eating through external cues, you are classified as a restrained eater, like I had said. That's how the research classifies it. Now, restrained eaters are much less, they're way less sensitive to hunger and fullness cues, meaning it takes a lot more deprivation to sense hunger and a lot more food to feel fullness compared to unrestrained eaters who just respond to hunger and fullness. And there are over 75 studies conducted that examine the effects of various situations that that disturb restrained eaters' self-control. Now the results are very consistent. What we what they have found is that restrained eaters react to emotions and external cues in nearly the exact opposite manner to unrestrained eaters. So emotions cause restrained eaters to eat, often overeating or to the past or past the point of fullness. And with unrestrained eaters, they do not. Typically, when unrestrained eaters get really upset and emotional, they lose their appetite. Not in, It's not increased. Okay, binge eating is not just the response of physical restriction like I had said. It is also the result of mental restriction and emotional restriction. Now, what I mean is that even thinking of going on a diet can trigger a binge. So saying things like diet starts tomorrow or I'm going to go on a sugar detox or let's do whole 30 primes your brain for restriction and food scarcity. So when you think those thoughts, your body and brain knows from memory that food is about to be limited or scarce. So it can trigger a binge. 
So mindset is key when we are healing this. We have to rewire our brain and we have to teach our body again or we have to regain trust with our body so it knows that it's going to be fed, which is why unconditional permission to eat is so important. Now, when I say emotional restriction, I am alluding to the other causes of binge eating that I had mentioned, like unhealed and unprocessed trauma, for example. So if you have parents that shamed you about your body or put you on diets, and as a result, you associate love and acceptance with like weight loss and being smaller, and you associate disapproval, rejection, and failure with weight gain, that is trauma. Like that is traumatic to you and to your body, and that needs to be healed. Now, you can do that on your own for yourself, meaning you don't need to like have conversations with your parents to heal it. Or of course, it can be something that you do with your parents. Now, what I mean is you can get complete within yourself without having conversations with your parents. Like you can repair that without involving them. And if you want to involve them and have conversations with them and ask forgiveness and forgive them and all of that, you can also do that. It's up to you. Now, if you were bullied about your weight as a child, that can be trauma that needs to be healed. Like that's super traumatic. If you've struggled with thinking that most of your worth is based on what you look like, then that can show up as emotional restriction because we have low self-worth and low self-esteem. We might objectify ourselves. We might not be intimate with our partners. We might not get close to people. We might not let ourselves date. We might do the opposite and become really promiscuous. And we want to know that we're valuable and people find us attractive. So we might like sleep around or date around or always try to look really attractive to the opposite sex or whoever we're attracted. So it can show up in many ways is what I'm getting at. And we even have research that shows that the young, white, thin beauty ideal can trigger binge eating in people of color or in marginalized groups and bodies. It's going to be different from everyone. But this is why seeking help, again, is really important and why I invite you to apply for Food, Body, Soul so that you can have help while you're, while you're, blah, 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 while you are navigating the context in which this developed for you because it's going to be unique and then you can heal. Now, a lot of the women I work with will also have like a therapist or a counselor on their team and they join the coaching as a supplement, right? So a lot of the women will be working with one practitioner and they join Food, Body, Soul for the community, the sisterhood, and the group element. And then I do have a lot of, of coaching clients that also have therapists and they get coaching as additional support. So either way, it can be a great fit for you. Okay. Emotional eating is demonized by diet culture because we are fat phobic and we view depriving our body through willpower and self-control as a virtue. You know, we'll say things like, oh, you're being so good, you're so disciplined, or you feel like you're the healthy one and like everyone sees you as being really healthy and controlled around your eating and all of that is praised within our culture, but then it's like behind closed doors, you're like the total opposite. I know I identified with that. But but emotional eating is demonized simply because we praise like depriving ourselves and controlling our food. And while I do not think that emotional eating is a problem, I don't, I know that food, while offering temporary reprieve, cannot address our feelings or solve the emotional issues we are dealing with. Emotional eating can turn into binge eating because of shame, like I said. Shame perpetuates the issues. So if you think that beating yourself up for emotionally eating is helping, please let me tell you right now that it is not. 
beating yourself up for your body, for weight gain, for binge eating. None of it is helpful. And this is a a quote from Brene Brown herself. Shame is not a catalyst for positive body change. Blah, blah, blah. Shame is not a catalyst for positive behavior change. Wow, I butchered that one. Okay. And I can think of a lot of other coping mechanisms that are way more harmful and less healthy than eating. So... It's okay if you want to expand your emotional coping toolkit, but I do not think that using food as a coping mechanism is a problem. If anything, it's your alarm bell letting you know that something else needs your attention and TLC. Now, binge eating, again, nothing to be ashamed of either. What I would say is that both emotional eating and binge eating are symptoms, often symptoms, of much larger problems, but not really the problems in and of themselves. I hope that that makes sense. I think that when we're addressing them both, you have to address the things that don't have nearly as much to do with food as well, right? I think that when we are struggling with emotional eating or binge eating, it's really easy to just think that the problem is the food. But like I shared with you today, it can often just be the tip of the iceberg and there can be a lot of other contributing factors. Okay, so I'm going to just quickly recap the main points that I had gone over. So emotional eating is a coping mechanism in response to emotions like stress, sadness, grief, disappointment, frustration. Like I had mentioned, it can also be something that is in response to positive emotions. For example, birthday cake. Binge eating is a natural biological response to restriction and deprivation around food. Emotional eating is not a problem. It is often an alarm bell letting you know that there is an area of your life that needs attention. Binge eating. So like I said, while there are a lot of contributing factors, one of the main ones is dieting, restriction, and irregular eating patterns. And this is because your body cannot tell the difference between a diet and a famine. Like all it knows is there's just limited food. Emotional eating is something that most most humans do to some degree some of the time. Like I said, even a normal eater can like want ice cream after a rough day or again, birthday cake or wedding cake. Binge eating is complex and there are often other contributing factors. So not just, you know, restriction around food, but things like trauma, weight-related bullying, perfectionism, being a type A, body dysmorphia, body dissatisfaction, you know, poor body image in general, weight discrimination, the um, oppressive beauty and thin ideals that we have, as well as poverty and food scarcity. So that could be restriction around food that's not intentional. Then emotional eating is demonized by diet culture because we are fat phobic and we view depriving our body through willpower and self-control as a virtue, right? Like we praise people who like deprived themselves and that is why it is demonized, but it is actually a perfectly okay coping mechanism and there are a lot of other coping mechanisms that I can think of that are a lot more harmful and less healthy than eating food. Binge eating is not just eating in response to physical restriction, it is also the result of mental restriction and emotional restriction. So restriction is very nuanced and complex and is more, there's more at play than just not letting yourself eat sugar or bread, for example. Emotional eating, as I mentioned, most humans do it, 
but it is more common in those who have a history of dieting. So the research shows that restrained eaters are more likely to use food to cope than unrestrained eaters. And then both emotional eating and binge eating are nothing to be ashamed of and often are symptoms of much larger problems. They are your alarm bells. I hope that this episode helped you identify what you're dealing with, be it emotional eating or binge eating or possibly both. I hope that it maybe helped you see how other different situations in your life could have contributed to it. Now, if you're interested in what food freedom is, let's dive into that and what is possible to for you when you cultivate it. So food freedom is an umbrella term like body wisdom and intuitive eating. And there, and truthfully, this is actually kind of funny, but if there was no such thing as diet culture, we would just call it eating. It wouldn't be intuitive eating. It would just be eating. But since we live in diet culture and we need to teach ourselves like how to eat and how to listen to our bodies again, we give it this fancy name. But it's where you eat in response to body cues and signals like hunger and fullness, need for nourishment, taking self-care into consideration, as well as any real health concerns. It also includes your desire for satisfaction, tastes, and your preferences. There are no food rules. It's easy to maintain and does not require micromanaging, willpower, or self-control. It's when eating and taking care of yourself becomes second nature you can actually end up caring less about it and then take better care of yourself, which seems like a bit of a paradox, but it's possible. It also allows for flexibility and variety. It's a way of eating that works in all of life's situations. So food freedom can mean going to a restaurant and being able to find something that you want or ordering anything that you want without overthinking it, without checking the menu beforehand to see if they have your type of food. It's ordering the nachos when you want nachos and the salad when you want the salad without mental internal struggle. Food freedom means you are not earning your food by saving up calories or carbs for later or by exercising extra long or skipping meals beforehand. Food freedom means no longer making up for food by restricting or limiting food the next day or by trying to work extra hard to burn off the excess calories. Food freedom means freedom from rigid food plans. There is no tracking, counting, or measuring. Your body naturally regulates your portion control. You can easily say yes or no to something without that internal battle. Food freedom means food is no longer something you fear or causes you stress. It's something that is easy, joyful, and is only one pillar of an overall happy and healthy life, not one of the main things taking up a lot of your time. Food freedom means mental freedom. Food freedom means being able to make peace with all foods so you can have cookies in your house and be at peace. It means eating half of a chocolate bar, throwing it in your purse, and literally forgetting it's there until you find it the next day. Food freedom means you can feel at ease no matter where you are, be it at a party, a restaurant, a work lunch, in the break room, Thanksgiving. You are able to be calm and confident around food. Food freedom means no longer trying to control food or to control your body. You have tools in your toolbox to take care of your health without a focus on weight loss. Taking care of your health no longer stresses you out or means restriction. 
Food freedom means being able to take care of yourself without trying so hard and without caring so much about what you are eating. Food freedom means you have value outside of food and your appearance and your food choices don't determine your worth. You are not what you eat. Food does not define you, nor does how your body look define you. So if that sounds amazing to you, if that sounds like what you want, then I want to invite you to enroll in Food Body Soul because all of this is possible to you, for you. So again, if you would like to say happy birthday to the Love Your Bod Pod and you liked this episode, I hope you liked this episode, please let me know. Um, leave a ratings and review on iTunes. You can screenshot this episode and tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm at Kara's Kitchen. I really hope that you learned a lot from today's episode and that it brought a lot of value to you and you're able to have more awareness around what you're dealing with, what have maybe caused it if you're dealing with one or the other or both. And again, if you're ready for food freedom, I would love to invite you to enroll in Food Body Soul. It's going to be so amazing and I am so excited okay thank you so much you guys and I will talk with you all soon thank you for being here with me however long you've been here I'm so grateful to have you thank you